Hello, handsome dads. Welcome to Jack's Tap, episode 39. Uh, today's guest is an old friend, Colin Sloan. We grew up together, played a few sports together, didn't really talk about it that much, more talked about uh, college, some of his jobs post-college, some of his passions, working with kids, the camps that we went to and worked at. Um, it was a good time, good conversation. Please enjoy Colin Sloan, Jack's Tap. Just one look at you. And I know it's gonna be a lovely Wow. Give it one minute. There it is. There it is. You look so chiseled and handsome right now, my friend. I'm feeling uh <laughs> just kidding. I love the I love the purple in the background. Hey, uh, interesting choice for sure. Wouldn't uh wouldn't have been my first. So you uh, you didn't paint it yourself? Uh, I'm actually in uh, my girlfriend's bedroom at her parents' house. Okay. Where I've uh, come to seek refuge. Yeah. Quiet space to talk with you. Um, But yeah, we are. uh, So it's in Sioux City, Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me where that's at, Jack. That's uh, an hour uh, outside of, uh, out of Hawkeye country, out of Iowa City. It's an hour. Close enough. Yeah. Um, It's about... So yeah, Iowa City, um, it's about four and a half hours, but it's like completely the farthest point west, northwest that you can go. Yeah. So, you know, you take a 10 minute drive, you could be in Nebraska, South Dakota, go check out Mount Rushmore. Wow. Have you ever done that or is it just, you're like, it's there? It's there. All right. We did. I did. Uh, there was one trip way back when, uh, lovingly labeled Cowboy Country. Okay. Involving myself, my middle brother Henry, who uh, I'm sure you remember. I remember Henry. Our cousin Michael and our grandparents. It was just a little uh, Western adventure going yeah. from like South Dakota, Wyoming. It was good times. Good times. So is South Dakota the one that has Rushmore? Yep, South Dakota has Rushmore, I believe. Yeah. I haven't seen it ever. I've heard that it's like a little bit anticlimactic and not that large. It's uh it's a little tucked away in uh in the mountain face. Right. Not as Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know. I'd like to understand the uh selection process they went through there with uh what section of rock face they were going to go with cuz um I couldn't tell you who's on who are the four presidents besides George, George Lincoln, Roosevelt, and uh, Adams. Whoever the second one is, right? John Adams. Ah, uh, yeah. Thomas yeah, Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the two. I think it's. Well, I don't know. Go on. Um. First of all, didn't have to flex so hard there. Well, you know, George is obvious. Uh. Lincoln, I believe, is uh, also obvious. I think it was 
I feel like it was Roosevelt who had it made or whoever was the person that was the president when it was made is also on it because it's like, you know, whether or not I'm really top four. I deserve I a seat one. at this table. Yeah. Come on. Like, all right, well, I'm making dinner. So who am I inviting over? That is an interesting revelation because I believe it's Roosevelt who's the one who's kind of turned in, turned away, not right. really one of the uh, one of the main busts that you're drawn to. Yeah, I'm seeing his will. stash right now when I Google it. <laughs> oh, you got a little uh, little fact check uh, situation going right. on. Right, George Washington, okay. Thomas Jefferson, the third president, Theodore Roosevelt, Lincoln. Right. Hmm. Well, I digress. Uh, so here we are in Sioux City, Iowa. Yes. Um, but yeah, you uh, definitely caught me on the, the cusp of some uh, major, major life shifts slash changes. Well, I think it is for a lot of people right now. Yeah, totally. Um, so just up until a few weeks ago, I was uh, living in Iowa City. Yeah. Um, I'd gone to school there, and so I just met my girlfriend Jordan and moved back, stuck around, did the whole thing. And uh, nice. so, yeah, I've been living there for the past, I mean, seven years, all, all things considered. Yeah, I guess that's right. So you just fell in love with it right um, Sure did. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it was. I always feel like I end up blaming, like, oh, you know, the North Shore. I was so right. fed up with the... Sure. As if that was um, the only option, but yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was talking um, to a Ben Ben Green I had on, yes, and uh, I was saying when I visited, um, one there was a ton of construction because there was a flood, right? Mm, but yeah, that was yeah, more yeah. on like uh, the art side of campus. Yes. Like that. Yeah, yeah. There's essentially an east and a west side, so the west side, yeah. Right, but uh, I there was a Chipotle one over from a Buffalo Wild Wings, and I was just mm. imagining getting real high one time and you know putting like chicken wings in the chipotle and i was like i fell in love with every campus i saw most recently so i was just like i'm gonna i'm gonna do that like once or twice a year that's gonna be great it's gonna be a, a, a treat yourself kind of day and, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's <laughs> but yeah so that's why you fell in love that's exactly why i fell in love yeah better yet in the summer they like open up all the like garage doors that they've got in the front there. So, nice. I mean, you could literally be standing with a brick column here, one hand, right. getting wings, one hand. Yeah, that's going to be the way they set it up now. They might close that road off and just, you know what, let's just make one tent yeah, and come together, to combine walk. our menus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, so for whatever reason, for better or worse, um, mainly because of my girlfriend. Right. Wanted to be back here because uh, she actually just finished up in the uh, pharmacy school at Iowa. So nice. she was signed up for a couple more years of schooling. Um, so I got my first job out there at a college and uh, she just finished that up. So she got her first job and we moved out here. So nice. she'll, be, she'll be starting that up soon, yeah. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. you guys are going to be able to kind of make a move here post COVID and everything with a little bit more, well, it might be a little murky, but it, you know, you guys will kind of have a fresh start together with both jobs. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I'm keeping the job that I have right now, which is yeah. clutch because I'll just be 
pretty much doing what we've been doing for quarantine for the next however foreseeable long. future. Right. So she, her job like is in the same spot too. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you go where you have connections and yep. obviously that is oftentimes back in your hometown. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like we were like, Oh, can't wait to be back in Sioux city. Yeah. And I feel like we kind of set ourselves up for failure a little bit imagining like, Oh yeah, we can move out to Denver and it'll just work out super nice. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Denver doesn't want you. They got enough people. They got enough people. They, they really do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a, a green boom, and uh... right. Though so that it'd be great to live there. It just seems like I visited there twice over spring break there in Boulder, just visiting friends because it was like this is just a more enjoyable spot to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Seriously, it's just like. I mean, maybe I'm just looking at it through like total rose-colored lens, but. It's just like walking around Denver, like, are the people just happier here? Like, yeah. does the air just uh, smells better here? I, I mean, they just, uh, they got it right on so many different facets of life and oh, not just man. the weed, but it's, it's almost like because it's so not taboo there, weed True. isn't even that big of a deal in a way. And in a sense, it is for sure, but it's a lot of people just walking around in hiking gear and they're constantly like getting outside and doing physical stuff. And that I feel like they just have such a connection with like nature and this like grounding sense of like, we're a part of our environment. We're not the environment, you know, they kind of, Absolutely. it's like this overarching mentality there. I mean, and also everybody is fit. I just remember seeing For real? like wow all of these people uh are operating at top capacity and then if they came back to chicago they would kick our ass because they're used to the altitude and you know, the closest thing to obesity there is a uh, a modest skinny fat physique right, yeah. which come on right and yeah i think with just the legality of it all there's just no element of uh social anxiety there right no one's uh you know, I, I actually saw a very relative meme the other day that was like, if uh, if weed was, you know, as illegal as alcohol has been for our entire existence, right? Would that social paranoia still exist? Yeah, I just and don't I like, think so. Damn meme! <laughs> Interesting point you raised. <laughs> very poignant meme. What about you, man? How's the uh, how's the quarantine been treating you? Oh, it's good. I'm kind of set up to enjoy uh, a bunch of time on my own for sure. I live alone, and I just I like that. I'm used to it. But I work at a elementary school. I work at Ramona. I don't know if you knew yes, that. Yes, dude. Yeah. I went to uh, McKenzie. So in in the system, I'm a McKenzie kid. We're McKenzie oh kids. Cans. Um, I actually went to Ramona apparently for speech therapy or something like that. Uh, my mom loves the joke that I went there because they couldn't get me to talk. And then when I left, they couldn't get me to shut up. So that's a fun <laughs> one. That's a fun one. <laughs> Man, that probably gets brought up at so many family functions. Yeah. And then it's uh, brought up a lot since I work at the school now. And they're just like, that's amazing. You went here. Like, that's so cute. <laughs> and I say that joke and they, they like, you know, hit me on the shoulder and they're like, I love it. I love it. It's like, yes, I was uh, getting over a small lisp. Um, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't pronounce my R's, so they sent me to you, Ramona. 
if you could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a slap in the face. We're going to yeah. send you somewhere and you can't even say the name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but so it was like all remote learning and I'm just an assistant, like a para pro. So I don't do any of the like Thanks, lesson dude. planning. Yeah. So there wasn't much for me to do. I chatted with one of my kids for a half hour a day, but it was mainly just uh, us just talking and shooting the shit. Nice, dude. He kept showing me Beyblades. We would literally just, I would oh. share my screen and we would Google ba uh, their battle blades and he would just kind of. Hmm. <laughs> Is, that, a, so Go is that an offshoot of Beyblades or are we talking different? So Beyblades were a thing when we were kids, right? Do yeah. You yeah. Were you in For sure. Does this motion bring you back? Yeah, that's right. That's the one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay. They're Beyblades. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I believe it stands for Battle Blades, right? Is what they're doing. That's the act, at least. Okay. Fair. You're the one Hit who was in with, it, Colin. Don't look at me. with some new information that... Uh, well, what do you do with the Beyblades? Do you have them just t go out for a stroll along Lakeshore? What's going on? Oh, what were you, you doing know, with I'm yours? A, more of a collector. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to put my Beyblades in danger. Okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're so you're screen sharing, googling screen Beyblades. sharing, and he would just basically like just break down every character and like who they were and who was their master and like what their characteristics were. But it, you know, it's on like a time delay also. So <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he just is like three characters ahead and he's just like that's stopiaculus i'm like uh-huh <laughs> he's like do you see it i'm like yeah uh so it was a lot of me just kind of sitting there for 15 minutes while he's just oh, talking man. non-stop and Dude. yeah it was the best well you definitely have uh, a level of strength that a lot of kids our age probably don't no yeah um, for sure it's uh, but it's just hilarious. Like, yeah, yeah buddy, I'm, I'm really trying to be there for you, but you just got to slow down. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to focus on a few. Maybe can we just, <laughs> just break down the fire mages today and uh, tomorrow we'll get into water. I, I don't know if I'm ready for the chrome. <laughs> yeah. Like he's trying to sh recap all of Avatar Last Airbender in like 20 minutes. Oh, God. <clears throat> um. Yeah, uh, it made me also realize like how little like just straight up talking like people we did at school because it would be like five minutes in and I'm like, oh yeah, this is normally when like the break ends and I'm bringing them back and we're going to get back into school mode a little bit. Yeah. Now I just got to just kind of keep having a conversation with you and it's there's like, and nothing's been going on. We have nothing to yeah. catch up on. So... Uh... Beyblades, you said? What's uh, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, so in a way, I was like, you know what? I'll take this because this just kind of wait. I'll let him putter out, just talk yeah, about it yeah. as long as he wants, and then he'll just it'll really just end when he's like, so uh, yeah, that's that. And then he comes back. What else is new? I'm like, all right, here we go. Now we got now we only got 15 minutes. <laughs> okay, peace. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so your official title is paraprofessional. Yeah, special education paraprofessional. Gotcha. Which, so normally uh, you'd be in the classroom. Right. Yeah, and it's a typical classroom with like a bunch of, you know, normal kids like we were in before. And I work with a few different kids um, just picking up whatever they can't handle on their own or whatever the teacher can't give them in direct, uh, you know, filling in a bunch of different roles and yep. gaps. 
Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like the crux of what you do is, you know, interacting <laughs> with these kids, giving right. them a comfortable voice at least. Yeah. Right. But yeah, speaking of the uh, McKenzie days, I remember an old paraprofessional by the name of Miss Sesniak. She was also, she was involved in the, in, in Great Gilson to some degree, I remember as well. Um, shout out to your roots there. Yeah. Yeah. My roots too. My roots too. I actually didn't um, go. I just took over when I was an adult. I was going to say, I was more the, uh, the camper role, right. whereas you were living my dream. <laughs> yeah. Was it yeah. director of the camp? For two summers. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's just incredible. We're going to have to get back into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, Miss Sesniak was great i mean and you know it's not like i have some overt you know mental disability physical disability right. but she was totally just there because i was really shitty at math and uh, it was very frustrating <laughs> right. yeah, yeah 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 um but yeah she was just like the bomb and i just saw her as like you are just like so much cooler than my teacher right. i remember that was the biggest thing is yeah. like you're not my teacher but you're an adult right you're awesome yeah no every kid like it's pretty dope too, because I'm like the only young John Lee works there. Yeah, but he's a he is an actual teacher. He's a speech language uh, pathologist. Cool. He's, he's like a uh, well, not just speech, but um, you know, a fuck. What do they call him? Learning behavior specialist. Um, mm -hmm. But when we walk around the school, everybody's just like, "Oh, there's like a young dude," as opposed to like a old woman or just one of the oh teachers. My gosh, so yeah. it's so much just like excited energy always you feel like a celebrity in there um just high fives all around so when you're in the classroom the kids are always just like wanting to you know get help from you or things like that yeah. it feels great but then the, oh, actu yeah. the actual boost. kids that i'm in there for they a lot of times you know their default will be to hate me because i have to <laughs> be the one that keeps them on task so like the other kids are asking me for like just straight up help that the teacher could give them um, and my kid's got his shoe off and he's just like, stop telling me to put my <laughs> shoe on. <laughs> Fuck you, Mr. Jack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get away from you. Smell. And the other kid is just like, hey, I'd love, you're awesome. I would love to yeah. hang out with you. So I want to be you. <laughs> so the, the incentives are a little bit off. Um, if you're, uh, if you're easily swayed by, uh, child attention. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. no, I seriously remember, like, uh, the guy that sticks out is, he was a photography teacher at Wilmette Junior High School. Mr. Wilson? Mr. Wilson. Yep. Young, handsome, right. Right. studly man. Probably my idol. Probably served as one yeah. of my idols he back then. I was favorites. like, oh, you're so cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's some weird attraction when it comes to, I think you hit it on the head when you said, not an old lady is... Well, it's, yeah, it's just like somebody that you can almost visualize yourself being, your, or like it's like an older version of our older brothers, you know, kind of like that. True. Or, or like when we had babysitters that were from camp or stuff like that, I always was yeah. like, this is the fuck, this is me in 10 years. Yep. Well, yeah. which goes back to when I was a camper, seeing these like counselors and directors at Great Gilson. I was right. like, I can't wait to be <clears throat> in this exact position one day. Yeah. But you got swindled into wiggle worms. I got swindled into wiggle worms, dude. <laughs> oh my god! I'd love to rub in your face just a little bit. Um, I was applying to, and uh, was trying to get Gilson 
Did you go through Lindsay Thomas? I did. Right. So I think it was her first year. The what was it? The summer going into uh, sophomore, sophomore year. year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was trying to get the job at Gilson. She was like, "We got enough guys." You know, I've already had other people requested too, but I just kept being so adamant and also like, "Yeah, I just I probably won't work at Junior Day or Wiggle Worms, you know, that type of thing." But yeah. then like showing that I was like genuinely. But she was like, "Why is this guy so passionate about Gilson?" Um, and it was just because all of our friends went there growing up. So yeah. finally, I think somebody dropped or she couldn't get a girl. And she was just like, all right, last minute, you can work here. And I was like, dope, got it. Oh, so incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what was prompting me to look for a job in the park district that summer. Honestly, I think it was because uh, my mom actually taught with Lindsay's mom. Oh, really? At, yeah, at uh, the community nursery school and all that. Nice. And so she was like, yeah, there's some opportunities here if you're looking for work. So I was like, yeah. But that was right. a sweet job. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, know where it, I know where it stands on the totem pole as far as, you know, Wilmette summer camps. No, but, but that one's, you know, <laughs> got a different fun vibe to it too because it's like my camp, half of the kids there are just like, this sucks. Like, yeah. outdoors sucks. We're going to play magic and play on our fucking phones. Dude, magic. And call each other every oh, swear gosh. we can and just like, <laughs> you know, not give a shit about this. Whereas your camp, yeah. the kids are just like, you know, learning what it's like to be alive, uh, you know. So they're just like, new thing? All right. Like, let's yeah. fucking, I can only imagine. Literally the most ideal age, like five years old. Like, right. these the, the worst thing that can happen today is this kid like falls in the carpet. There's n <laughs> there's no scrape there, but I put a bandaid on anyway. And right, because it helps them. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's still the vibe. Even for kids that are older, they're just like, just you know, just put it on. Yeah, yeah, come on. But yeah, there were there were so many things when I went to Great Gilson because like I feel like I was. I overstayed my welcome. Like I was the kid who uh, was just like, man, I love this place. Yeah. Eighth grade, fuck it, I'll go back this summer. Yeah. <laughs> like, too no, old. I, no, I love the kids that. Well, there were certain kids that were that age and were there, and like, yeah, like my parents just want me to come. But the ones that were like <laughs> genuinely cool and like helped out with younger kids and like, yeah, you know, started like hanging more with the counselors and just being cool with them. It was like super dope. Were you a CIT? Yeah. Was never a CIT. Yeah, okay. So you did cut it off after the uh, Space Cadet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, did cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I forgot all the other category names. It's uh, Aquanuts or Astronauts, um, Critters, Gizmos, and uh, Rascals. Wow. That just brought me back to it. Yeah. A, a new level with every name you just dropped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just felt like Will Ferrell in old school when he's in that debate and he's just like, uh, it's just coming out of him. He's like, I don't even know yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Rascals, critters, gizmos. Um, yeah. But the CITs were the one where typically they sucked. And it was, yeah. a little, it was like, all right, maybe figure something else out for like one year and then come back as an actual counselor. Yeah. But it really just became an extra kid that the counselor had to worry about for a lot of them. Yep. And even worse, because they thought they had authority. So they would like, you know, power corrupts. If you give a 14-year-old kid power over an 8-year-old kid, sometimes yep. it can be bad. 
give him that that tie-dye t-shirt a badge and uh right. a yeah. job title yeah it's uh right it's like you're st- you're paying a lot of money to do this program and <laughs> yeah the 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 need for counselors is always there. I don't think you're going to have an issue getting the job later. You know? Yeah. Yeah. This program doesn't actually groom you to be a counselor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, it's just more money. <laughs> yeah. It grooms your pocketbooks a little bit. Yeah. yeah come on. And they don't have to pay any, like that money doesn't go to like renting out Gilson or renting out Highcrest. Cause it's just like, yeah, just go to a camp that already is paid for. And then they use it on like that insane field trip once a week that they do. They would always they would go to like Wrigley or they would go to someplace cool. So yes, yeah, which is another reason why being a counselor there would terrify me because I think our only field trip back at the Wiggle Worms was to the pool. Meanwhile, right. like I remember going on a uh, field trip to this place in like Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yeah, it was the, called uh, Action Territory. Yep, yeah, we still go yeah. there. I have Hell the, yeah. uh, I might have to pull it up. I have a bunch of high scores from my days as assistant director because <laughs> I never got to go as the head director. It sucked, but I was assistant for four weeks. And during that time, Lindsay was like, yeah, you got to go. You're the one that I trust to go on these. And nice, uh, yeah, then I was like at action territory. I'm like, all right. Like the actual shit that would go down is like them in the, you know, the game and getting hurt. They're not, doing anything outside so i was just chilling right. like, i got a bunch of these coins i'm going to start playing this game <laughs> <laughs> it was funny there was like even kids from other camps there that would show up and plop down and they would play against me and then i would you know i didn't even think about the fact they were playing but be- if i beat the other player it gave me a free game so i was just like chilling there for like an hour and <laughs> let's just go Who's cr- next? Yeah, crushing 13 year olds <laughs> that would come up and also super stacked against him because by the time they got there, I already had all the nitrous and the fucking grip, oh yeah acceleration. Wait, what, uh, what game? We're talking racing here. Yeah, it was like one of those Need for Speed ones or Perfect. like a Midnight Club, something like that. Ooh, Midnight Club LA or, Remix. Uh, yeah, or like an Exotica, I believe. Yeah, I, I feel like for those arcade, you know, enormous console games, it was always super third party. Nothing right. ever. <laughs> yeah. But I had practiced at a. Uh, fuck in uh, New Buffalo, Michigan, Burger Place. Why can I not think of it? Oh, the Redamax. Redamax. Oh, oh, Stray Dog. Stray Dog is good. Stray Dog's yeah. good. But yeah. Redamax, yeah, they had a arcade there, and it would be a two burgers, and then go play a racing <laughs> game, and then all right, let's head back to the cottage. You and the brother. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was I was about to say uh, as you were looking for that name. Before you said New Buffalo, Nickel yeah. City. If you remember that one, oh yeah, of course. Nickel City. Honestly, I don't remember what town it was in back then. It seemed like super far away. I'm sure it was just Glenview. No, it's like um, it's by uh, Max and Benny's, which is a great deli, and it's Never got been. it's got. I think it's in like Lake Zurich or one of those because there's a bowling alley and a Red Roof Inn that's right by there that I bowled on with these bad boys. At a kid. Um, and uh, and also the DMV is kind of out there. So I think it's like Lake oh, Cook-ish. Sure. Little yeah, west. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, still have no clue what city that would be, but. Yeah. Yeah, Nickel City's great. Yeah, Nickel City, uh, it, one game sticks out, and that was a skateboard game where you would stand on the skateboard. Oh, yeah. But it was like so 
frustrating. Like the movements just were like so ill-timed and like you just couldn't really control this board, but I was still just like Tony Hawk, man. Right. It's like my Tony call Hawk. with the kid, uh, you're three steps behind. It's just like, yeah. all right, let's do a quick yeah. grind. Oh, I'm on the ground. Cool. Little did I know I'd be facing these issues on Zoom meetings here nearing my 25th year. That's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, you're still 24. I always remember that you and I were uh, always one of the taller of the grade, but it would be like, yeah, but he's like literally a year younger than me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, was, that, was, that was the only thing I had to hold on to. Yeah. A little, a little chubby, you know, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We both had that same path. But uh, yeah, dude, still 24. Are you six five? Six five. Yep. Same. Same. Yeah. Good. Height. I'm sure that I'm sure that helped uh, with the uh, bowling mechanics, did it not? You know, it's all proportional. It's the same thing with golf mm-hmm. clubs. I actually got average length clubs because uh, the distance. You know, it's a higher distance, yes, from my shoulders, but my arms make up for the length. So with bowling, uh, as long as you're getting your knees into it and really, you know, bending down, you can get down there. But my first couple of years, I didn't use proper form, and I, it was like I was uh, doing a deadlift with only back, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I just kind of like do this. Ooh. Yeah. Um, now tell me, because um, I know where I stand on the spectrum, but are, okay. you, are you more more torso, more legs, even split? Um, it's more legs, but uh, I curve it. So you do have to... You know, it's kind of like a cradle with it. It's, you know, this this right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you don't want to be, like, just jerking your wrist at the last second. It kind of just has to be like you're letting it go type of thing. So do you play golf? Yeah. Because it's kind of like you have to let the equipment just do the work. You're not trying to just herk and jerk. You kind of have – because it's a – I have a 16 or 15 pound ball. So it's got enough oomph to hit the pins. Yeah. And some people really throw it hard, but I would, it would average, I think around 15 miles an hour. And that's just for me kind of just, all right, the momentum of me taking my four step approach, you got to take a four step approach. Four step approach. And then on the last, um, and you're kind of bringing it back the, the first two. And then the last two, you're bringing it forward. And then you, you finish with your back leg kind of back behind you, you know how they yep. do that. Right. Yep. So all that, I mean, it, it, the momentum of a 15 pound ball, just kind of like a pendulum with your arm is enough. So it really should be in your legs and at least keeping your wrist stiff enough where, cause there were some kids on the bowling team that have those wrist guards. I was about to ask about the wrist guard. You didn't <sighs> rock the wrist guard. No. Okay. No, it's, I did. you know, it's like, I guess, Man, that's a tough look. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to describe it. Mean, it's a it's, tough look. That's tough for me because maybe it's like a glove in football or like a goalkeeper wearing a glove. It's like, why would what? Why would you not wear it? It just makes yeah. it. But mm, you look like you need a wrist guard in order to move the 15-pound ball. You just don't. It's like I, I would literally equate it to like, I don't know, this is going to be a bit of a, a stretch, but stretch it out. Let's say you're on a you know family trip. You stop in some town in uh, Tennessee. Let's say, 
you get out at the gas station and you see a woman who, you know, maybe she's rocking short shorts, a tank top, her frame looks skinny. Maybe yeah. she, you know, is not in the greatest place, but always, always wearing a wrist guard. You know mm. what I mean? Right. I could just see that. And that's kind of where I equate. I'm like, what is the wrist guard really accomplishing here? Yeah. They say it's to kind of stabilize the wrist. Uh, but not for weight purposes, but in order to like not turn it over. Cause if you like turn it over too much, mm. then you're like, so the inside of a bowling ball is actually asymmetrically made with a weight kind of more on one side, not the one that you use at a bowling alley. That's just okay. plastic normal, sure. but okay. the ones that, you know, you normally would get if you're actually getting a bowling ball, it's going to be made of a different material, which I forget what it is, but it's not plastic. And then on the inside, there's going to be a, a weight on one side that's bigger than a weight on the other and so it's kind of on this perfect you know angle so you really just want to it's going to keep rotating on that and then curve in based on your speed based on how much you turn it based on the amount of oil on the lanes oil cuts down on curve so there's different balls for different amounts of oil or a spare what? ball cuts through the oil and that's kind of the straight thing so it's a whole different thing yeah it's complicated Wait, so a spare ball is literally a ball that you use specifically for a tufts like yeah and that split. Would, that's basically made it that's the most comparable to a house ball that you would get and bowl oh. with but it's fit to your fingers and so, is it just all about like friction um it's something about the material in it like that it's made of that helps it curve more like catch the oil because plastic doesn't really do it as much and then that weighted inside makes it so it like wants to be going left or if you're lefty it wants to be going right if you just bowl it straight um so it's kind of about you know the arrows that are on the lanes yes so those correspond to the pockets in between each pin and so you're kind of trying to there's a whole, there's a bunch of different strategies you could do it. You could kind of try and That's go out wild. and then back in. You could go straight and have it come in. You could try and get really fast so it doesn't curve as much and the curve happens at the last second. There's a bunch of different ways to do it and you can hold it differently. But basically the wrist guard is a way to be like, no matter what you're doing, this makes it so it just falls off your hand perfectly. It's kind of like gotcha. it's doing it for you. Mm. Whereas for me... um. It'd be like if you break your wrists when you're golfing. So that yeah. type of thing. So it's like the coaches would always be like, well, why wouldn't you just get it? Because then you kind of have that one thing set. And that's never the reason why you're like pulling the ball left because you pull right. it too much or you're not going to hurt. You're, you're not going to get sore over the course of a match. But, you know, it was just a little too much like, you know, this is already a tough sport to be playing as is. Yeah. I can't like be caught really taking it serious <laughs> like because the one kid on my team who was the nerdiest had seven bowling balls and a wrist guard it's like oh no yeah it's it's just like coach uh right how do i put this lightly yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i know i'm the We're... captain and i'm kind of who you're looking to to you know lead the seriousness of this team oh yeah kind of show the commitment to everybody else but uh you know, that's just not going to happen. You're like, sir, uh, you're giving me this power. It's actually Mr. Durkin. Let's, right. Yeah. Yes. Great guy. Yeah. You're saying, Scott, 
That's right. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, all he right. Didn't, two... He didn't know much about bowling, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, he's a leader. Natural born leader. <laughs> that's, that's why we did it. That's why he was chosen. Yeah. He did not volunteer. He was chosen. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. Um, uh, two things came up over that. Yeah. One, the, oh, I guess three. One, the weight in the bowling balls, the offset weight, that yeah. is just more than mind-blowing. Right. I'm just going to leave that as it is. Yeah. Um, like a bowling, actually, I bet you could look it up. Um, yeah. Just the, the inside of it looks um, very interesting. But go on with your second. Uh, folks at home, go ahead and Google with us. Um, we're going to do uh, cross-section bowling ball. Cross-section bowling ball. Yeah. Whoa. There are all kinds of... Right. What? Well, maybe I should... Yeah, this is um, just horrible for uh, for an audio medium. You know that happens uh, sometimes on the show, but you know. It's, but uh, our followers are loyal. They, you know, they stick <laughs> with me through all different points. Yeah, that's a good image. Now, do you uh, do you like fully? Do you see it? Um, your screen sharing. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Wow. So they have kind of, they got fun designs. They have a good time with it. Those look like, um, oh, what were they called? Crazy bones. You yeah. remember those yeah, little yeah. things that you'd flick? They were at, uh, yeah. Dude, the more you know. I wonder if it says what it's, in the early days, balls were made of wood. I'm sure that ended poorly plenty of times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, of course, now I can't get over there. There we go. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Uh, um, but my third thing was uh, the uh, Disney Channel original movie, Alley Cat Strike. Yeah. Is that the one where, spoiler alert, at the end, they do like the really slow roll where she just spent? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's another form that you can go for. Uh, also, yeah. Also, the movie where he like skips a ball from one lane to the next, right. and I think a third one in there. Yeah, and gets a strike. Right. I, I mean, we're gonna have to fact check that, but yeah, yeah. Bowling is not exactly represented uh, as is, at least as it was on New Trier. It was an interesting combination of kind of like stoner kids that were there yeah. just to kind of fucking just chill out and bowl and then there were the more like nerdy kids that were um just more really into it they would in the off seasons you know still be bowling and practicing yeah so they would come back better whereas me <laughs> tommy luke we'd come back and you know it's kind of spring training at the beginning of the year we, we got to get back into it get our bodies back you know, we're playing catch up and just trying to get back to where we were last year. Uh, the coaches hated that as well. A lot of puns being made uh, about, you know, slow your roll, buddy. <laughs> yeah, easy. Not all of us are okay. practicing here. I don't want to strike out too early in the year. Right? We want to build hey. up to this. 
spare me your thoughts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. But yeah, just those three names there, uh, you, Luke, and Tommy, that about, that about spins the narrative. Yeah. And then it was Alex Dasby, um, freshman through junior year, but he didn't come back for senior. Forget why. I mean, he really never took it seriously and never really excelled much with it. it was more just like stoned and chilling. So I think he was like, yeah, this is wasting too much time for him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Hank Scholl replaced him because he got suspended from a sport for like smoking senior year. And mm-hmm. so he decided to join the bowling team so that it would happen during bowling instead of during volleyball. <laughs> Very savvy move. And then because I was the captain, Durkin was like, fuck this guy. I don't want to let him on. I was like, hold on, hold on. Like, I think out. he might actually want to join bowling and he's just going to have to serve the suspension. You know, it's tough. <laughs> Um, so, it's crazy that this passion hit him in his senior year here. Yeah, sure, right. but, you know, it's uh, wild. But I, I basically said, like, yeah, no, we were hanging out, and I said he should join the team, and uh, you know that as opposed to the real story of like, oh, dude, you guys bowl? Like, can I do that and get my suspension taken away? So, yeah, yeah, very savvy move on his part. But That's awesome. Basically, they made me captain. I mean, I, let's be honest, I was the best guy for the role for sure. But also, absolutely, Tommy could have been very capable of it same with luke but they just uh you know they really didn't show uh a fire to the coaches that uh that would really excel them to the position so it's the first time in a while where there was only one captain oh okay usually two usually two usually okay yeah and before a match are we talking handshakes pump up circle uh well you know with the other team yeah i would love to always kind of dap them up let them know who we are, what we're about, how, okay. you know, uh, you know, it's just all about the competition and less about animosity. And if here. they're, you know, <laughs> if they're showing stuff to us, if they're, you know, you know, putting us down, then we know what it's about that day. True. You know, also our team sucked. So wasn't much we could do about it. Yeah. That's the question I was going to get to. Um, Phil, I just loved the essence of the, uh, bowling team. I wasn't too savvy on, uh, your record and performance. Yeah. Well, just want to give me a little taste. Every of that. year I was in it, our record improved. Uh, so, See. you know, we were coming from a pretty far depth my freshman year. Uh, there was some good senior leadership on the team, but it just wasn't wasn't a good top down organization, and uh, a lot of division between all the ages of kids. So, you know, as I came up, we had Ben Persifield, Sean Mann, Henry Delva. Dude. Raj Patel, Sean Fentress, uh, Jordan Meisels, real good guys the year above us. Yeah. That, and then the year above them was this guy, Mark Lowendorf. And he was smelly and he. You know, <laughs> he In a was, word, smelly. <laughs> he was smelly. And his parents took it way too intensely no. and like made us retake photos team photos because ben persifield was winking in one of them oh um, my god so we like retook a photo and as a team it brought us together to hate mark and his parents so there was kind of this camaraderie being formed my sophomore year that wasn't there my freshman year uh but it was at the expense of our top guy which sure. is tough you know sure it, it brings everyone else together but you're only as strong 
as the top and the bottom. But then that junior year, man, you know, we didn't have a winning season, but it was my first year getting on varsity consistently. And we were, you know, we were together, we were having fun and we were committed. And then we have this upswing of these young sophomores that are less stonerish, more let's fucking bowl. This is our sport. This guards (laughs) multiple balls constantly bowling during the off season, you know? Yeah. So in leagues, they ended up being the main reason we all of a sudden got better. But mm-hmm. let us not forget that my senior year when I'm captain, even though I wasn't the anchor position for the most part, which went to Slam and Sammy Shepard. Okay. okay fair. Uh, or maybe Andrew Texter, the lefty from, you know, Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably not where he's from, but he was a lefty. Um, and, uh, those two guys were studs. And then with my kind of leadership and, uh, vocality and, uh, camaraderie nature and just straight up leadership, we got our first winning season in almost a decade. And then the next year they went on and just did great, great things. That is the narrative to tell. You set the foundation. Yeah. These kids came in and they said, we're not smoking bowls. We're only <laughs> rolling balls. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're only here to bowl. Yeah. We're here to and, bowl. Uh, we're not here to bowl. Okay. Not those bowls. Not those bowls. No, no, yeah. no. And not even those bowls. And they're just showing the Chicago bowls then. And then <laughs> this bowl. <laughs> One track mind. Yeah. One lane. <laughs> put those away yeah careful careful yeah because i was uh i was uh good friends with uh luke wetterston around the time that he was um on the bowling team so that's how i really kept a pulse on things yep yep luke was a natural talent you know and just like me and tommy did not do as much with it as we could have but i don't i don't think any of us go ahead yeah, what, is it, what does bowling look like uh, post-high school? I mean, are there opportunities to... Mark Lowendorf, Mr. Stinky, uh, he went to... <laughs> <laughs> he went to uh, some D2 or D3 school to bowl. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Place smells still. Um, and um, I'm sure... Mark, if a, you're listening. I'm uh... sure he's a lovely man. I'm sure he is a lovely man. And he has grown and he used that experience to teach him about hygiene and about actual <laughs> leadership and about not caring about what other people do in a photo. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not that big of a deal, man. It's the bowling team. So, and then the next photo is all of us just asking like assholes with giant smiles and winky faces and things like yeah. that. So, you know, you get what you ask for. You brought this upon yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but he went on to do that. I mean, it doesn't really seem like bowling is uh, that relevant. You know, I think the like those charity events that Chris Paul does, yeah. like Mookie Betts and uh, or Mookie Betts and uh, Terrell Owens, they get more views probably than actual bowling matches. Right, but then somehow <laughs> these professional bowlers come out of the woodwork, forty, right. fifty years old, just killing it. Like, right. where have you been? Right. From then right. till now. No? In, in a lot of ways, it can be like stand-up comedy, just somebody just mm. grinding away at these uh, unknown, terrible things, you know, 
tough lanes, maybe, you know, Wilmette Bowl, they put their oil on the lanes with a mop. Uh, it's just mm. not an even distribution. So, and it's literally on a fucking curve also. Uh, really? Yeah, it's at an angle. It's a weird, it's a weird uh, place to put a bowling alley of all places. Yeah, Wilmette Bowl, a lot of omens up yeah. in there. You don't want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when somebody asks me if a uh, Nutria bowl that will met, I just I scoff, and it's like, <laughs> do you remember Mr. Lawler? He was an English teacher. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, he he would always be like, you know how they put their oil on over there at Wilmette Lanes? What do you call them? <laughs> <laughs> With a mop and a bucket, they just slosh it around. <laughs> yeah, like, that's... it's not. He's like, it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> just. Uh an injustice yeah so um you know these guys they come out of the woodwork at 40 years old however i think nope was gonna try and attempt one of their names but i forget uh yeah and then when they do they're just a cold-blooded killer though they can do it any place doesn't matter i mean i'm seriously thinking average age of a pba bowler 43 yeah it's old 43 not many young guns Mm-mm. there was guys that so like bowling was not big at all in our area it was more like uh club sports and things that had more of an era of like class and wealth behind it you know but bowling is much more of like the north man's and uh you know kind of midwest vibe i so say we were like a weird spot on the map that wasn't big on bowling so when we went outside you know to bowl because like teams like evanston they didn't really have a bowling much of a it was more new than our program too so our rivals were like lake zurich and vernon hills yeah and they had some studs and people's parents were ridiculous out. and wow. there was one guy called michael wormley who was on lake zurich <laughs> and he i think i mean he took it he was comedic with it too but he brought act, actual fans and people would be doing cheers and so what uh, the way fans watch the match is they bring step ladders and they kind of chill in the back and they so they can look over you and look over the lane even though you're blocking it it's insane wow yeah. So the so the I mean, is it just an obstructed view, or are they trying to get this bird's eye view to critique like form and shit when they get home? <laughs> They're the type of person that's gonna be given critiques, but it's so that they get the good view. Because if yeah. you are right behind with the ten bowlers and the coaches and the person who's literally on the lane, you can't really see that well until it gets out there. So yeah, yeah I mean, also who really cares if you don't see it until the last minute? Like you'll be able to, you know. It was just always ridiculous. Even at home matches, if it was a certain high school, they would have more people there watching it than our people. Jeez. Uh, yeah. So it was pretty clear who was going to win just based on whose culture valued it more. Totally. Home yeah. versus what? I mean, where was the home uh, lanes alley? Excuse yeah. me. Where was the home alley for NTB? Classic Bowl, Classic Bowl in Morton Grove, Waukegan and like Gulf. It's pretty See far. That, yeah, that already bums me out. It's like, where's the home court advantage for already in a different? Uh, right. No, it's tough. I'll tell you though, you got to check out Classic Bowl. It is yeah. uh, beautiful. Why do I feel like I've been there? 
I think you probably have. Also, that's where the park district takes their bowling field trips. Did you ever go on a bowling field trip? That must be where I'm, where I'm uh, drawing that from. What city did you say it in? Say it's in? Morton Grove. Off Waukegan. You pass a Popeye's. I just need to see the, the facade of this building. Yeah, check it out. Okay. First of all, huge. Yeah, they got great couches in there. Real comfy. So you guys would come here after school. Yep. Four days. Yeah. It was perfect. Monday through Thursday for like an hour and a half. It was practice. And then when the season started, we would have like two matches a week, maybe one to two matches a week. Um, and that would take more like two to three hours. The only thing that really would suck is a tournament on a Saturday. Yeah. When it was six matches, we would have to go out to like, you know, far out Illinois or Wisconsin or something. And uh, it's a packed bowling alley with just parents wearing Letterman jackets and, uh, on the ladders. Uh, but that is where I got my one plaque and like award for high game. I got my highest game. I got a 274. Nice, dude. 10 straight strikes. Shit. Yeah. I mean, I know enough to know that's a good ass score. It's about as good as you can get. I got a six and a gutter to start. So it was like six, and then I tried picking up the spare. I got nothing. Uh, yeah. And then I got 10 straight strikes. And uh, then I looked behind me, and everybody, the whole rest of the bowling alley, like 40 lanes was waiting because our game was the one that was the last one. Um, and I looked back, I was like, Oh shit. And then I got another six. So, oh, yeah, God. but I would have, you know, wouldn't have made that big of a difference at the end there. Right. Just but two seventy eight. say what you will about bowling or the bowling team. Yeah. You can't not get hyped when someone is on a streak like that. Like, yeah. I don't care who you are, how cool yeah. you think you are. It's like, you're going to cheer on bowling. When someone's working on their eighth, ninth, and tenth. It was the highest score at that tournament of the day. And then I was on JV that day. I think it was like sophomore or junior year. And, uh, yeah, they were halfway through. They were going to take me over and add me to the varsity team because I was just doing – I was just on that day. And then the other guys who were on varsity were like, no, let's not – like, we don't want you, Jack. We don't want you. And I was like, what? Why? They're like, because if – Apparently, if you go to varsity now, all your numbers from the JV will get discounted and you have to like restart. Uh, Uh. So they were like, you know, we're already so far behind. We're not going to win this. Just go fucking see what you can win over there. So, yeah, yeah, I got like second highest total of the day and first highest game in single game. And then I got MVP of the team. So that's like where all my paraphernalia from, uh, from bowling comes from that one day. Dude, I was gonna say, I hope there's still a plaque around here somewhere. With, well, give me uh, one. Give me one second. Please, please. Beautiful. Lake Park. Dude. So, boys, JV, high game. Jeez, 2011. Yeah, it does seem like way too long ago. Yeah, that's wild. Shoish. Shoish, indeed. Yeah. I went golfing the other day, and 
we got me and Paul Slocum, we got paired with a pair of 45 year old women. And then we mentioned how we would golf together at Willow Hill during high school. And I was just like, Oh man, that was seven years ago. It's a long time ago. And they like, you know, shat on me for being like only seven years. I'm like, mm, still feels like a long time now. Yeah, no, I would uh, definitely get that same shit storm with, I mean, at the two like major jobs that I've had now, I'm easily the youngest kid by right. 10 to 15 years. So always getting that shit. Yeah. I can't say anything to the tune of like, oh, back in the day or something like right. back in whose day. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. People get so sensitive about like if you try and mention something that they've experienced just any more than you, they're like, yeah, yeah. you can't say anything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, what you uh, what have you been up to? It sounds like you're still seeing some of the old homies, which is good to hear. Yeah, I mean, Chicago is chock full of all, you know, the kids from back in the day, and I've yeah. still stayed in touch with a lot of them. So got that going. But other than that, there's not much really in my life i can't perform comedy although clubs are coming back like this week specifically i mean if they're letting restaurants and whatnot convene like right. they're like taking away these 50 percent, you know capacity rules and whatnot like you could easily have some small cocktail tables right. set up you know yeah. with it's tough i've been you know talking to comedians about it but it's like you do have to be separated it's still i think for clubs is going to be 50% capacity to start and it's like yeah. the whole thing with comedy is like in a close room close together you kind of feel like just part of the group anonymous not like oh here I am and this person notices what I'm laughing at or I'm noticing what they're laughing at so it is going to be a little weird and then also I was already you know not one of the more booked stand-ups in Chicago and now it feels like you know there's less space for everybody so We'll see. Yeah, right. But I'm just happy to start again. I know what you mean, though. But uh, with that kind of like intimate, often you know, you just picture like that basement brick comedy room type, right. yeah, type setting. Um, but yeah, that'll be a bit of an adjustment for sure. So yeah, um, is stand up kind of your like main avenue, or do you entertain had, other? I've, I've had more success at improv, probably. Yeah. And that's like just as fun. It's yeah. tough to kind of say which one is more fun. Um, it's great to kind of have them both and sketch comedy. And then I was even getting into a little bit of musical improv too. Just nice. fun to, they all kind of help each other when you, and you can kind of then start using the others in whatever form. Like in the podcasting, it was starting to help my stand up, just my feeling of being able to just kind of talk out and not worry about having a bit planned and just being able to figure it out on stage. So it all helps each other and keeps each of them fresh. Totally. As opposed to so many like stand-ups in Chicago or imp improvisers that like always talk about how they feel burned out and it's, and they're not even getting that much success going at it. It's like, well, just, you know, you're doing a little bit too much of the same thing over and over. Right, right. But no, I mean, that's like pretty much all my favorite comedians, comedy podcasts, like that's like almost the same kind of recipe that they subscribe to. It's like, yeah, they like a little bit of the improv, a little bit of stand up, but it's like yeah. both working to perfect the other craft, you know? Right. 
Yeah, and I like it took me like I always loved comedy. My parents took me to shows early on, and it was part of my life for sure. I thought of myself as a funny guy, but I never got actually into performing until sophomore year or junior year of college. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of I started with improv, then I did stand up, and I did sketch, and I loved them all. And I couldn't pick, and I was like, well, like it's kind of like starting out playing sports as a kid there's no point in just saying I'm only going to play football at yeah. age 13 right. might as well just like maybe basketball will be the one that gets me to the NBA but my real love was football you know early on yeah. so I'm just going to stick with them and you know and maybe even now post-COVID it'll be which one is easiest to kind of get in get my foot in the door in this new world yeah totally I mean dude podcasts are an awesome way to be doing that. Yeah, it's very I'm sure simple it's, to sit right here and just kind of turn it on. And Yeah, know. I'm sure you've had a ton of fun doing these. And a good time kind of just catching up with people I haven't talked to in a long time. I know, for real, dude. Like, it's easily been, with the exception of maybe one or two times, seven plus years since right. I've seen yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I think we saw each other like one time a few years back, but, you know, there's no time to talk in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I've, I've watched a few and, uh, I remember your first one came out. I was, uh, I'm like, I'm about to mow the lawn today. It was a Saturday throwing Jack's podcast and, uh, have my sweet day sultry takes. voice right in your ear. Dude, it was fantastic. Drowning out the sound of the lawnmower. Right. It or not. That is a good <laughs> thing too. Like I almost thought the podcast was going to be less popular trying to get people to listen in a way because uh like a comedy show it's like well we're going out to a comedy show yeah this feels like right but this is so easy people that don't normally listen to podcasts they'll be like it's great you don't even have to really pay attention and it's just kind of relaxing i'm like that's what a podcast is yeah yeah, right. yeah. welcome <laughs> yeah, i know welcome it. it's the like medium. i feel like a lot of people like want to start a podcast or they're just like nervous like oh the market's so saturated I'm like, right. but it's like trust me there's a lot of people you could tap into still <laughs> right. yeah yeah and it is for sure oversaturated but also it's like you know i keep going back and forth of like uh there's so many podcasts why would you do one then there's so many podcasts why wouldn't you do one um, yeah and there's like so many uh you know, more PC, mainly improvisers in Chicago that shat on the idea of all these white male stand-ups doing podcasts and made me like feel bad about it. But I was like, yeah, but I'm not like an asshole. Like I'm a guy that this person even likes. So, you know. Right. It's like, if you're already an asshole and try and start a podcast, you might not have a good time. <laughs> it might, might be filled with a little bit of assholery. In the podcast. <laughs> But if you, have, I was talking to, uh, I'm back on dating apps, everyone. I'm back on dating apps. At a boy. Three months into quarantine and living alone, didn't touch it one time. <laughs> That's fucking restraint. That's a strong will right, right? there. And what's I got, your, uh, what's your AOC? What's your app of choice? Hinge. It's Hinge. I, I don't know if it's still the hot one. It was back when I was uh, cruising through it, but Tinder and Tinder for sure is like, why would you? beyond that really um, even in college i remember just real quickly at being overrun with spam accounts and bots like huh? even more than real accounts huh. um and some are obvious and humorous but others are like very like nuanced and they can have legit conversation and you won't Jeez. notice until like 
two days in and you get the number and then all of a sudden it's just like, okay, green text bubbles, but yeah. whatever, that's not, uh, okay. All of a sudden a little weird here and then it's like, yeah. holy shit, I, it happened again. Like, yeah, yeah, and it's like, Damn. it's tough. But um, yeah, and this girl, um, she was like, can I check out your podcast? And I was like, sure. And then she said like, wow, you're actually like, really good at keeping the conversation interesting and going. I'm genuinely surprised. I was like, cause you've just been carrying this one so much apparently. Like what does that mean? Yeah. Um, right. She was like, I just figured a white guy with a podcast would suck. I'm like, well, all right. Stereotype beaten. Yeah. You are the reason <laughs> I felt self-conscious about starting in the first place. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I just wanted to let you know, uh, that mentality is poisoning a lot of minds out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're keeping the good ones who feel <laughs> who feel any type of empathy away from it and the people who suck and you don't want to do it are not listening to you anyway. Yeah. Um, but speaking of uh, Chicago comedy people, Pete Holmes, um, yeah. he's, uh, he's one that I listen to a lot. Good dude. Yeah. He's also a guy that just gets the, you know, non-competition part of comedy. It's just like totally. all of it needs to be, relevant and built up and praised he got uh do you remember those college humor batman sketches yeah dude that was pete holmes mm -hmm. yeah and like, yeah he he often references that as as to like how fat he looked back in the day I'm like, <laughs> yeah yeah right nobody noticed nobody noticed pete. right everybody was just <laughs> laughing their asses off at that yeah he's done a good job of being <laughs> in all of them it's interesting there was recently a second city controversy did you see anything about that i did not so um as all the uh companies were you know putting their social media posts in solidarity with black lives matter and things yeah. there was yeah. so much pressure especially on like art institutions and theaters that are so reliant on black actors and comedians and all that and so mm -hmm. people were pressuring second city to do it and like the moment they came out and did it like five or so different black alumni from second city came out and just had threads on Twitter calling out all these examples of institutional racism. Mm. And, um, it was legit. So it was like, okay, that's bad. And really yeah. extra bad in a way when it's like a company that is, uh, acting to be diverse and culturally accepting and, we give our pronouns before we do any class, you know, attendance and there's genderless bathrooms and it's like, they're trying to, um, show that they're woke and everything. And it's like, all right, well, you're just as bad as, you know, a Chick-fil-A yeah. that we think of as being bad. Right. So the CEO, Andrew Alexander resigned like immediately and he owns 50% of it. So he's got to sell that back and, He's the guy who started Second City Toronto with like Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara and John yeah. Candy and like all those like, you know, the SCTV folks. I don't mm -hmm. know if you ever watched that growing up. I never um, did, but I, I've heard about it, yeah. That, and then he came over to Second City Chicago in like the 70s or 80s and has been there for that long. So, you know, Chris Farley, Tina Fey, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, all those people. Wow he's part of it. So it was just like huge that this happened. Um, but then after like a day of everyone appropriately talking about the race issues of it, all these Chicago standups started shitting on improv 
because Second City, which does some improv, but mainly sketch comedy. Yeah. You know, they were just like, oh, all you fucking white boys paying $3,000 for improv, I'm laughing at you now. Or like, improv sucks, like, or improv is so racist, I didn't know that. It's like, yeah, so there was a bit of a comedy civil war Jeez. out there. Yeah, and then yeah. me being somebody who, not with success at all levels, but has done all levels of it, I was just like, all of them are cool. All of them have people that suck in it. Yep. And we got to battle against these institutions that are built against certain people. So yeah. why don't we just listen to somebody like this great black improviser that you all respect so much. And instead of being like, your art form sucks, be like, oh, yeah. how, how can we help you? Stand up yeah, is so seems, much better. Right. It, and to lump like sketch comedy and improv together, it's already right. just like, okay, well. Yeah, it was hilarious. It's like the for the longest time you could only have like Eddie Murphy and then only Chris Rock and yeah, now right. We can, now we can have like Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle, and like uh, Hannibal Burris, and it's like, all right, that's that's enough. You know, yeah. stand up is not exactly the most inclusive art form either. Right, totally. Well, yeah, I mean, there's the argument of like comedians pushing boundaries, and that's kind of this whole can of worms on its own right yeah which i'm much more biased towards just defending comedians always but it's oh, just yeah. like uh hilarious when we're like willing to shit on somebody else just because they do it a little differently mm -hmm. it's kind of like when like a country singer shits on like a rap singer but just to the outside eye everyone's like you know <laughs> oh comedians like can't they have infighting it's like well you only think of comedy as comedy. You don't think of like genres of it. Right, right. These, yeah. yeah, adjacent. Right. Offshoots, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, it's tough. So we'll see which one is uh, back and ready to go. Seems like the sketch and improv institutions are going to have a tougher road ahead because they just got kind of ousted during it and the financials were probably terrible already. Yeah, right. Yeah, you got to think that something like that, just, I don't know, with podcasts and, you know, everything that's available on a digital medium, it's like, right. yeah, the in, the in person loses its effect a little bit. But right. I don't know. I worked for a freaking radio station for a year and a half. So you want to really? talk about things that are on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Was that in college or high school or when was that? Um, so <clears throat> right after I graduated, I, um, I was working at this. Uh, bike shop in Iowa City that I just right. like, thought it was the coolest place. Um, didn't really know like what I wanted to do post college, so I just kind of stuck it out there to the end of the summer. Um, but then eventually moved back home to Wilmette, and I was working in Chicago for like six months doing an internship. So this was um, kind of my first real job working at the radio station. So this was, you know, had moved back to Iowa for this job um, to be close to my girlfriend and was just so quickly disappointed by the job it was yeah, <laughs> yeah. but um it so this radio station was actually really cool because it was like the last local radio station left like nice. um, most radio stations across the country are either owned by iheart media or right. town square media or there's really one more kind of media conglomerate yeah um so like the essence of what they were trying to do as a station was awesome just like you know, we're going to stick this out to the end right. and uh, play what we want to play. Like they had three stations, one that was um, 
classic rock. They had a hit station and then uh, a sports station. So I'm like, you're, you know, covering good, you know, audiences and, you know, you don't have too much overlap across the three. Like I yeah. can see some, I can see this being a good job, but my job was specifically selling advertising to local mm. businesses. So most of the companies, you know, within our, again, fairly small town, Iowa radius, yeah. <laughs> though it was, you know, Cedar Rapids and Iowa city to the bigger cities. There's only a finite number of businesses that you could get on the radio, yeah. most right. of which who were already on the radio. Right. So me trying to walk into these businesses that opened a week ago, this like mom and pop shop. It's like, um, how about a hundred dollars for one 30 second commercial played, uh, at 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, these were the, these were the yeah. kinds of contracts I had to sell. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have, but, the you didn't have the best stuff to give them. Yeah. But I was just like, I had the narrative down. I'm just like, listen, you may think the radio is dying, but audio programming is not going anywhere. Like just right. look at podcasts, look at XM, like people respond to it. So I just, I've got all the arguments for, uh, for why uh, <laughs> audio is here to stay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Every time that just like some business gets involved to own some type of entertainment, whatever it is, they just ruin it. Yeah. Like because there's so few places that just, take their hands off and let them do their thing. Yeah. Cause the uh, original owners of these radio stations were just like, they started it in college. They did it until they both died. And like, that was it. Like they were so passionate about like local, the idea of local radio. Um, How old were and, they when they died? Like old? Um, so one guy was in his like mid sixties died in a car accident um and then the other one was in his 70s he had als so both died Damn. you know be before their time but they did it from college all the way through then that's yep. fucking awesome yeah right and so the story of this classic rock station was even cooler because it was like um so essentially the two guys were business partners one was more the business mindset one was more like the you know pot smoking like radio dj that you right. imagine in the 70s and so he started this classic rock station because he was literally just like i want a radio station that i have all my music on that i think you know doesn't suck and so he created this radio station and it just like lived on with all these like deep cut and you know b-side um classic rock tracks right. so i was just like yeah man that's what it's all about yeah that's dope yeah that's so, like so many of my favorite shows like growing up like freaks and geeks and things like that were like sure the dana carvey show where uh like quick one season shows where whatever company that owned it was like you guys aren't doing what we thought you were gonna do mm -hmm. change it now so we keep the show going and they're like nah fuck you this is what we want to do so as long as it you know stays the way we like it that's fine we'd rather it end after a season doing what we wanted or then do five seasons of what this typical show would be. Right. I feel like, um, I feel like Cartoon Network does that really well. Cause I'm just thinking of like, does that well in the sense that they just like let these crazy cartoons right. just have their control. Cause I'm thinking of like, um, the regular show. Yeah. Like, you ever see that? The yeah. Mordecai and Ruby. So the guy who created that JG Quintel, like, <laughs> 
he's just like, you know, into psychedelics and like, you could just tell from, from the show, you know, right. this guy's smoking weed all day <laughs> and uh, it seems like they just let him do his thing. And I'm like, all right, that's what it should be. That's why the show is good. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Um, or like South Park, which is yes. Comedy Central has one of the worst reputations in the comedy world, at least, of really? just fucking every project or comedian they work with, both contractually and uh, creatively, because it's like, you know, they give them way too many notes and they try and make it cookie cutter and the same thing that it usually is, you know, as opposed to just letting them do their thing. And like putting commercials in the middle of stand-up specials and stuff. It's like mm -hmm. a complete, like what joke was I listening to, you know, but sure. South Park just hits such a huge audience and success when it first started out before Comedy Central was this huge thing and make them just bags of money. So it's hilarious kind of how South Park is just completely, you know, on their own, even though they're at com. uh, yeah, even though they're with uh, Comedy Central. Yeah, I did not know that they were, like, known for that in the comedy world. That's really interesting. Yeah. like the, I can totally my, see it. One of my favorite stand-ups now, Andrew Schultz, he was just denied by the industry at large for so long. Um, and so he just started uploading to YouTube. And since then, and he has all these podcasts, and he uploads stand-up once a week. Um, and he's uploaded two specials to YouTube as opposed to getting paid for him. And now he's become one of the biggest standups in the country. And uh, a bunch of Comedy Central executives got fired and he was, he had such a grudge against them that he did like a whole two minute segment of them just dancing on their graves in the podcast. Um, oh so like, God. that's how bad, like, and like a bunch of podcasts I listened to, they were just like, you know, I don't, I don't want to say anything, but some great news just came in and I just, you know, to these people and they're just like with 10 stories of how they had these great ideas for shows that could have become their own version of Seinfeld or stuff like that, you know, and it yeah. just got ruined before it could even have a chance. Like John Mulaney had one and they just gave so many like bad notes and it just kind of changed the essence of the show. Such a bummer thing. Right. I mean, just like, obviously you can't even quantify it, but like, yeah, just think there's probably a shit ton of missed opportunity out there. Right, yeah. These incredible shows. Right. Like Chappelle's show, they apparently hated it and were trying to, you know, get it off the air. But then at like three or four episodes in, it just hit. And they were like, well, we don't like these kind of bros that the show bring along, but it's paying our bills. So Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever keeps the lights on. Right. Yeah, so it's basically just a few... Yeah, the few shows that actually get through their their system and get out to the audience, that yeah. they can kind of be devoid of the notes and things. What a shitty mentality to have. <laughs> yeah, but for people that are literally comedy central, you would think even to a fault they would defend people's points of view and you know creativity above all else. You would think they'd be the one place that is, you know, in that yeah. corner. But then a show like Workaholics, which was fine for its, you know, first couple seasons, gets right. like nine seasons. Like, right. were you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it was fine. It was okay. Had some good it's moments. Like, but, but you don't understand. 
it's three guys who all smoke weed in one house. Right. It's like, yeah, but it's three white guys doing it, you know, and it's it's kind of fun and relatable that way. Right. Yeah. We got Montel. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little bit of flair in there. (laughs) Yeah. Right. He's actually a funny uh, comedian that I listen to his podcast sometimes riffing with. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, And Chris D'Elia was in that show. Who's one of my favorite comedians. Now he was in, he was played a child molester in it. Yes, dude. Oh, what's his name? Topher. Topher. Yeah. Yeah, dude. He had that. He had that um, character. He was like, "Oh, what's up, guys?" Situation. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, I'm just here to play. uh, He's like, uh, "Bros before hoes," but you know, little bros before big bros. Yeah, Bieber Hole sixty nine. I believe his username was. Yeah, that's like the only episode I remember, honestly. (laughs) Which is actually a pretty hilarious. It's a good where these guys are like, but he's just such a cool guy. Oh, and he wants to take him to the penthouse, penthouse, the penthouse, penthouse. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That was great. Yeah, Um, had had his moments for sure. Well, I've had you on here for an hour and a half, but I wanted to um, talk about the bike shop real quick, if you yeah mind. So absolutely. what would you, was that just like a small locally owned one? Kind of like Wilmette bike shop? Yeah, exactly. It was like this, uh, the guy who ran it uh, in its present day, he worked there when he was in college. And um, obviously I didn't find this out until I started working there. Um, but he was like, had a similar story to me where he was, uh, had worked in Chicago a little bit, you know, eventually moved back to Iowa and, um, so that was like my infatuation with like, I want to run this place one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, totally just like locally owned, um, you know, like every day trying to make the case to customers, like don't shop at like the Dick Sporting Good, like yeah. come with that. We know it's a little more expensive, but right. we promise it'll be, you know, worth it. Um, so it was cool to be a part of that. And uh, just like, I don't know, have you ever been to Iowa City or? or just on that oh, yeah, one visit, you said, but. Yeah. Uh, it's not like I was really um, in in on a true visit. Yeah. Um, so I kind of learned more throughout through this job that like the larger community outside the bubble of the university is like very um, I don't know. It's an interesting crowd. Like they're very just like down to earth. Like not too worried about like outward appearance and just like easy kind of love and type um crowd for the most part and so um they were just like the best customers to come in the shop and hang out and um yeah i totally just like applied there on a whim and uh i mean i had a bike that i rode around campus but by no means was like invested in the bike community at all yeah but just meeting these cool people and they would like you know invite you on these long rides like i mean we'd be going like 20 miles through like these Iowa gravel roads and stuff, just like really cool stuff to see. Um, And I was just like, yeah, you guys are awesome. This place is awesome. And uh, I think that like definitely sparked just like the love for just like the local business too, which is a lot of the reason why I wanted to come back to to Iowa just because I felt like there was so much like just entrepreneurship, you know, people taking their idea and, taking advantage of Iowa being, you know, cheap to run a business there. Um, but yeah, it was just a really cool uh, vibe for lack of a better word. 
did you get involved in the actual like working on bikes or were you more uh working with the people um so my main role was definitely like sales i mean i was just right. out there we didn't have like you know quotas or anything like that we just made straight 10 bucks an hour come to work sell bikes nice. but uh through that like if there's ever a downtime like i was really interested in that side because these guys would like when a bike you know comes to a bike store it's in you know a thousand pieces right and these guys are just assembling bikes like you don't really realize like these don't just come on a truck like ready to go right um so i was really intrigued on that side so i would like try and pick up little pointers from the mechanics who would work in kind of the back of the shop area but of course, those guys too were just like, there are two of them that I'm still not sure if they are brothers or not, but I was like pretty convinced because they were both like 75, had super long, just like, you know, old man wise beards. Right. And they didn't say much, but when they did, it like, it really hit you. Yeah, <laughs> These guys were like, yeah. Yeah. Wizards of their day. Um, but if it wasn't, you know, that guy to, to hang out with for a little while is just like, you know, some cool kind of hipster dude who right. moved out here from Colorado, been doing this his whole life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The biking community really attracts like that type of just like uh, really leveled thinker. Um, I felt like, so my uncle Merck was one of the guys who founded SRAM. Yes. And uh, my parents are going to, hate this moment and i think his name is uh mk or well that's a girl who i did musical improv with fk <laughs> uh he's a guy with a ponytail uh just total like yeah that's real dude yeah that's a great oh yeah i really care about that you know just like genuine interest in what you're talking about when you're talking and yes. you just feel like this is the type of guy i want to just hang around yeah so and i think that's really the reason that SRAM took off for these guys is just it was a bunch of genuine like bike guys that were like you know like this is uh it's about more than just money you know? yeah it's like this, this could work guys like, right it's about delivering quality parts to these people <laughs> it's about the community small business <laughs> like i just want to be in that garage when the business was founded because right. surely it took place in the garage <laughs> oh yeah absolutely and that's i'm sure how it started for a while and yeah my uh uncle merc was i think kind of just more the guy who would handle the presentations and uh be the the face of a lot of the negotiations and presentations because he's yeah. just really good at talking with everybody so he's not necessarily the bike guy yeah that's so wild yeah like i was saying um we we're uh kind of texting about this like there are two companies that do what they do it's right shram and shimano and right. there's like just nothing else um but within that they you know they can have all kind of parts for like a road bike versus a mountain bike versus right because it's not tires. like they're really making an entire bike that often right it's more just parts and components because i remember when i was younger being like well i didn't understand how big it was because i was like i saw trek and schwinn you know, and I was like, what, what is he talking about SRAM and Shimano? Um, and then he was like, he told me that the grip shift was them. Ah, yeah. Um, yes. But then when, even when I thought about it, I was like, well, I actually prefer the Shimano one where you click it. So <laughs> I, you know, I was like totally just 
ignorant to how cool this, you know, guy was that my dad is best friends with. And when he would tell me it, I was just like, yeah, I mean, that's cool, but I don't really get it. Yeah, right. And then I think it was some tour to France and you know, my dad's just like, yeah, the top three guys just finished with uh, SRAM parts. And I was like, part, like, so they finished SRAM bikes. It's like, well, it's not really the bike, it's the parts. And then I was like, looked into it. I was like, oh shit, they are literally, it's a monopoly on this and it's SRAM and it's Shimano. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So they like anything that is not like the frame right, or the wheels pretty much, they would produce yeah which is really where you kind of separate yourself with a good bike and a great yeah. bike it's like obviously you need a bike with a frame that fits right. you and is lightweight but yeah the rest is like yeah how you're shifting components like you can use those like to your advantage like you're saying the momentum with the bowling ball it's like right. you can literally set this gearing ratio up to partially do the work for you like the, with right. the weight of the bike and and you know all that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. He got my brother, this speed bike and I've got this hybrid bike that, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, you don't even feel like you're on it. It's just kind of feels like you're gliding along mm -hmm. as opposed to just back in the day where you could really feel the gears and crank it. Yeah. And you're just like every once in a while it kind of jumps on you. Yeah. But now it's, yeah, uh, it wasn't quite the same components on my old 2003 Magna. <laughs> yeah and i had uh i had my bike stolen out of my garage uh i think it was a trek or something on my th uh birthday one day we saw blue man group oh. came back home it was stolen so wow what a roller coaster of emotions that day was yeah right you know you just you're at your all-time high post blue man group literally all-time high i mean mm -hmm. i've never been and seen blue man group but i could just imagine <sighs> but even then you can just kind of you have a respect for that performance right and uh just the sheer ride of emotions that a young boy is going through <laughs> and then uh get back home and yeah the bike's gone so of course i gotta upgrade to a nicer bike but it was funny because it was right around when i got my license so even mm -hmm. then too i didn't truly appreciate it's like fantastic bike until a little later on yeah yeah Still riding it though, dude. That's all that matters. Still downstairs. Gone for a few rides. It's nice. It's crisp. Nice. Gets me out. Yeah. Scrambled still got away. the uh, still got the uh, putt putt green down there. Uh, they do though. That part of the Beautiful. house now has become kind of like a danger zone with floods, because you know how it oh. went down. I do remember there was like some sort of tiered. Right. There's like a. You go down to the basement and it's long and narrow and that's kind of where we would if you really wanted yeah. to do a trick shot you would do it upstairs and then do it down those steps yeah but it just keeps flooding like every it just flood again with all these storms i guess you've you're in uh, iowa but there's been real bad storms here for a while mm. and it just uh flooded again so the holes are still there they're literally in the foundation of the cement <laughs> which is hilarious but it's I forget if water, no, it doesn't come through those. That would be terrible. It comes through a little vent, but uh, yeah. So it's just um, cement now down there and they put a carpet. So it's not quite the the putt-putt green it used to be, but. Arguably 
potential dopest uh, trick shots though you can get oh, yeah. out there with the uh, that was so much fun <laughs> you know you would just put like different it was like before these viral videos of these 20 step you know you push a ball and then it goes down all these different intricate designs we were doing that in the basement but we just didn't film it for the love of the yeah, game what's, what's what's that group what's uh dude perfect right those guys just ran a monopoly on right. something that arguably every kid probably did growing <laughs> up <laughs> yeah it's like literally everybody and anybody did exactly what they were doing and they were just like let's fucking film it yeah it's like we're 30 let's yeah. film it <laughs> <laughs> they just came out with a dude perfect documentary and i was watching like five minutes of it and i was just like if I hear one more guy just be like, let's film it. Like, I'm going <laughs> to lose my shit. It was so, oh my God. Like, I can't like, believe us, you know, yeah. like not me. Yeah. I think I saw something about like what the Dude Perfect brand like has grown to over the last few years. And I was really disappointed. I was like, yeah, they went on a world tour yeah. where they were like, I don't know. They they had like different like games and stuff set up. I'm like, that's not what you do. Like, I'm I'm pretty certain they have like a show in some capacity. Right. Yeah. They really took people's. Uh, I mean, I bet they have a huge fan base of kind of like teenagers. You know, for sure. Those people that are like, oh my god, that is it's just a bigger version of what we do, and so that's cool. And then they ended up throwing it off of like a mountain and stuff. So, you know, yeah. typically 12 year olds aren't able to do that. So they seem cool. But I remember then, yeah, seeing that they have this like business. I'm like, you guys just made like viral videos that anybody could do if they spent all day out there like doing that. Some, yeah, trickery in the editing room. And right. all yeah, of a sudden too. you're captivating. Right. Millions of youth. I think you're overestimating how much we were interested in you as personalities. <laughs> <laughs> More so about the Nerf right. Sidewinder. More so about, oh, these are a group of five guys that are willing to put in that time to make one, <laughs> sh make one shot today. <laughs> it is, like, pretty wild that I would say, like, more so the main factor of doing something versus not is just like you got the time do you have the time to commit right. yeah because <laughs> like, i can the only yeah i can only imagine especially like i'm thinking of one where they're like on top of a dam you know it might even be the hoover dam or something like yeah. that just a giant one and they're throwing a basketball down i'm like they probably have so many basketballs that they got through a sponsorship that is yep. just up here and they're just non-stop doing it but like also they're just flying all over the place. Like that's going to be so annoying for the people who are there that are kind of your lackeys are just like, all right, go get that ball. And then once you have 30 of them, go bring it up the fucking hill again. Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's head, let's take lunch. Like a great day is when they get it after five hours instead of like two <laughs> weeks. It's like, all right, wow, this is a tripper, uh, quicker trip here to Sioux Falls than I thought. Looks yeah. like we can head home. <laughs> Probably a huge Homeland Security violation on Hoover Dam. I mean, I can't imagine they got the clearance for that. Yeah, and they just like don't clean up the balls. They're like, all right, cool. Those are little uh, little, little totems. Yeah, it's like, here. peace, dude, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Noggin. Yeah. <laughs> Do that shit. Yeah. Just so you know we were here. You're yeah, welcome. Right. <laughs> Spray painting dude perfect everywhere. Right. Yeah.
those guys. Well, I've kept you long enough. It was great talking to you, Colin. Good talking to you, man. Yeah, so uh, you uh, edit this bad boy, leave it natural. Do you, I mean, I basically leave it. Do you have anything that you want taken out? Anything that you recall was a very controversial opinion? No, not at all. Sounds good. All right. My parents know that I smoke weed at this point. Yeah, you know, one would hope. And if not, my parents <laughs> are going to tell them the moment this comes out. <laughs> yeah. dude um just real quick yeah just gotta throw back to uh j harry mccaffrey's dad did he not briefly have a podcast of some sort or yeah. a da- daily video where he right. would just like smoke a j and read the news <laughs> right yeah 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 where yeah. did that go um i think his uh well one j harry did all the editing for it so when uh, he moved out to san diego that <laughs> would have for sure put it in the coffin but for sure mr mccaffrey uh has done comedy longer than i have technically and when we first started out when i first came back from iu and was like gonna you know start doing comedy in chicago yeah um mikey and i started a show at the rock house in wilmette yes dude yeah um and we didn't know anybody that was a chicago comedian yet so we just got our friends and uh, Jay's dad did stand up, you know, more than anybody else we knew. So we put him on the show. He went like 10 minutes over the light. He was swearing just so inappropriately. And like, I let him back the second time. And I told Jay and him, I was like, look, if you don't follow the rules that I give you, like, I'm not putting you back on my show. You're not that good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to let you do whatever you want. Oh, it's um, so incredible. And then the second show, it was a bunch of like counselors from Gilson that I brought there. <laughs> and he was like talking about like girls' vaginas at that age. And then <clears throat> I gave him the light <laughs> and he's uh, and he's way over. Um, and he was like, uh, who's that giving me the light? Like he's literally so drunk. He's like, who's that giving me the light? Jack Mac, fuck off. Let me finish my story. I was like, dude. So... <laughs> Oh my god. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> just immediately that's a runaway train. Yeah, yeah. So I took him off of that oh, and then I so wasn't funny. technically allowed at his house anymore is what he said because I took oh, him off man. the show. Um Yeah, so when I saw that that show ended, I there was a little little tint of me just being like, yeah, that's right. You can't even you can't even keep up the show. Uh, that's so, funny. I have a grudge against a 55-year-old man who has a yeah. grudge against me. <laughs> I could just – he was he was my, like, uh, football coach back in, yeah, like, the right. fourth grade or something. Yeah. Um, were you on that team? I think you and I did play once together, like, really early on, maybe fourth grade. Yeah. Because I played fourth through sixth. Okay. That's all. I mean – yeah. Well, either way, I just have this like soundbite in my head of him, Mr. McCaffrey, being the coach and screaming yeah. at Jay Harry's name, just like Jay Harry, Jay Harry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just he's like a, always. He's just a naturally funny guy. He's yeah. You know, he's got this just crazy Boston accent. He's just, yeah. uh, he's a drunk, and he's just like so unapologetically him. So yeah. everybody was laughing during the shows, but it was just like. I think we're laughing because we know the context that this is Jay Harry's dad right? Not because right, right. he's just crushing it with, with punchlines here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Right. 
Well, yeah, dude. Awesome uh, getting to catch up a little bit. Appreciate you reaching out. Yeah, was, uh, of course. Yeah, super pumped to get on the line here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'll let you know when it's uh, uploaded. And yeah. Would love to have you back on. Absolutely, dude. I was about to say repeat guest. Let me know. Yes, a recurring guest from now until the end. Love it. All right. See you, man. Take it easy. Now you're gone. Now you're gone.